0: I invite you to take your Bibles out if you have one this evening and turn to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to um, unpack verses 6 and 7 of uh, Philippians 4 this evening at Grace Fellowship. We've been going through the letter of Paul to the church at Philippi since uh, June, I think, and uh, it's been a a real uh, joy uh, for me and, and us to do that. Just got to tell you a story. This morning that happened. um, God's timing is just so much better than mine. I was teaching a new members class, and one of the uh, attendees in that class said that her husband has been uh, reaching out to uh, one of his employees uh, for a long time, uh, a non-Christian, but has a lot of questions. And uh, he's been to Grace Fellowship before, but it hasn't stuck. And um, This week, uh, this employee um, called this brother from Grace Fellowship and just said, I have just been so anxious this week. Uh, Like, I I cannot explain it. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what it is. um, But I've just been overwhelmed with anxiety. And um, he invited this other gentleman to come this morning to Grace Fellowship. And he had no idea that I was going to be preaching on Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which is on anxiety. Um, and it's just, it's just a reminder that if I was to try to come up with a game plan, I would, I would never have known that. <laughs> um, so when God sets the agenda, and when we preach through books of the Bible, uh, that's what happens over and over and over again. And I know that I needed this text uh, today and this week in preparation because in many ways my heart has been anxious, and uh, I trust that uh, you can probably relate to that. So, I'm excited to look at it this evening. I want to begin at verse 4 and then really focus in on verses 6 and 7. So, Philippians chapter 4, at verse 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray and ask God's blessing. Father in heaven, we do ask your kind presence Now uh, that you would be with us, that, Jesus, you would minister your gospel balm to our anxious hearts, that we might hear Jesus, that we might hear the the living God speak to us through this passage this evening. Father, uh, we are so prone to uh, wander. We are so prone to anxiety. And so I, I pray and I plead with you that, that you might minister to each heart here tonight and each mind, and that we might find our joy and our peace, uh, not in our circumstances, but ultimately in the person of Jesus. In his name I pray these things, amen. Well, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find uh, another year, at least in my lifetime, that has been uh, the cause for more anxiety, at least the potential for more anxiety. Uh, From from the uncertainties of COVID-19, the ongoing challenges, the ongoing unknowns to racial um, tensions and, and unrest and rioting uh, to a really, really important election on Tuesday. It, it feels, doesn't it, like we're living uh, in, under this tsunami of what ifs and unknowns. What if, have you been asking that like I've been asking that lately? What if the candidate that I vote for doesn't win? Or um, what if my loved one gets sick and is in the hospital and I can't visit him? Or what if uh, my children can't go back to school? Or what if the numbers uh, continue to spike? Or what if uh, the stock market takes a turn for the worst? What if this, what if that? And into into the questions of what ifs and all of the uncertainties and all of the unknowns, uh, God gives us a word this evening from Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything, about anything, says the man who is awaiting the outcome of a trial which will determine whether he lives or whether he dies. The same man who just said, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Not from a, a comfort, comfortable ivory tower, uh, but from um, difficulty. And we have to sort of wonder about this fellow Paul, um, is he just an eternal optimist? Is this just how he's hardwired? Does he just view things with a glass half full? Or uh, does he know something about God that would cause him to be able to say this to the Philippian Christians back in Philippi. That's what I want to explore with you this evening. Who is the God behind this invitation? And how is it possible that you and I can do what he says here in Philippians chapter 4? Well, first, let's consider together Paul's exhortation to the church. Do not be anxious about anything. It's a it's a command, it's an imperative, it's a call. Do not be anxious about anything. But what if I told you that there's such a a thing as good anxiety? Good anxiety. Uh, I mean, it sounds pretty comprehensive, verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything. uh, But it's interesting, the same word that's translated here in verse 6 for anxiety or anxious is also found in this same letter. Now, it's it's given a different word. It's in chapter 2, verse 20. There, Paul is Uh, commending Timothy and Epaphroditus to the Philippians as Christ-like, humble, servant examples who they would be wise to follow and emulate and mimic. And in that context, Paul says this of Timothy, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned. There's the word. It's the same word. Genuinely concerned for your welfare. In other words, the, the reason Timothy is so exemplary is because he's, he's sincerely burdened for uh, the Philippian saints. When, when, he, when he's with them and he tells them he loves them, he absolutely means it. When he's apart from them, uh, he can't wait to be with them again. Uh, he is a, a faithful pastor, a faithful shepherd. That's the same sense we get a couple of times in Paul's letters to the Corinthians. Uh, The first is in his second letter, where he's talking about his own apostolic ministry and uh, the the sufferings that he has been called to endure. Um, He's been beaten, he's been shipwrecked, he's been hungry. But to these, he adds this. You you probably remember this in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, verse 28. He says this, And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Like a a faithful parent or a faithful shepherd. We're anxious, aren't we, for our, our kids' well-being, that they would flourish, that they would be walking with the Lord for their protection, for their provision. Paul is saying, I've gone through a lot, I've endured many things, but this thing continues. Uh, it's, It's always the case that in my mind and in my heart, as I think about my ministry, I can't help but realize that all of the time, in some ways, I'm consumed by anxiety for you all. It's the heart of a pastor. Or in his first letter, He's speaking there about the context of the entire church body, each body apart, making up the whole. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 25, These things work together that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. That's the same word, care for one another. And so concern, anxiety, care, All of these different words describe the same good type of anxiousness. Just like there's a a righteous anger, we might say there is a righteous anxiety. Besides this, we might speak of a psychological anxiety that many brothers and sisters and image bearers suffer with. Millions of people who are uh, um, uh, in many ways overwhelmed by an anxiousness perhaps uh, genetically predisposed. What these brothers and sisters need isn't just simply a Bible verse, a platitude given to them, but often a whole host of different help, sometimes medication, um, uh, uh, walking alongside of them, right? Encouragement. And so there's a, a good anxiety. There's what we might call a psychological anxiety. But what Paul is referring to in this passage Um, is a sinful anxiety which is rooted in unbelief. In unbelief. Carl Robinson says, the kind of anxiety that we bring upon ourselves by excluding God from our troubles. we, We sort of know what he's talking about, right? We bring it upon ourselves. And it's that worry which excludes god from the picture it's a preoccupation with our problems it's a fixation on what we need to do to fix it anxiety in this sense pours all of our energies on the hor- the horizontal It's excessive fretting about ourselves and our situations and potential and what if this, what if that, trying to come up with our own solutions to fix it. It's being controlled by things that are outside of our control and leaving God out of the picture. Anxiety is worry accompanied by prayerlessness. It's the the trust in oneself. It's self-obsession, and it's allowing the what-ifs to enslave us. Sam Storms defines this kind of anxiety this way, this sort of gnawing corrosive worry that is he says a form of unconscious blasphemy. Blasphemy. Maybe maybe that strikes us as too strong. Isn't it true that worry is just another way of saying God doesn't know what he's doing? Or if he does, then he must not love me, because if he really loved me, he wouldn't be allowing these things to happen to me in this way right now. Now, there's a difference between the feeling of anxiety, which comes upon us very quickly and the dwelling upon that anxiety. And so understand that it's normal. We live in a world which is full of reasons to be anxious. The the battle itself is not the problem. If if you have anxious thoughts or anxious tendencies, um, that's normal. The problem is, is when we is when we surrender to those worries. We give ourselves over to them, and we, as a result, leave God out of the picture. That's when anxiety becomes an ugly monster and an enslaving master. So that's what Paul means when he says, do not be anxious about anything. These are words that are simply echoes of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6 of Matthew. Where where Jesus actually compares anxiety uh, to what the pagans do. It's interesting. Worrying is what Gentiles do. Anxiety is what pagans do. And to his disciples, he's saying, we're not to be like that. Why? Because we have a Father who cares for us. And then he he draws upon uh, everyday things to show, to illustrate, as he often does. For example, verse 26, look, Jesus says, at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? There's a little poem that some of you may have heard before by Elizabeth Cheney, captures a conversation between two birds, a robin and a sparrow. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. But that's just the thing. We do have a heavenly Father that cares for you and for me. A Father who loved us so much that He gave us His only begotten Son. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, what then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? So so Paul is exhorting the Philippians, God is exhorting you and me tonight not to be anxious about anything. Why? Because we have a Father who is both able to do all things and who loves us more than we will ever be able to comprehend, which we've confessed this evening. In fact, it is to this Father that Paul invites us to go secondly. Not only does he exhort us, he also invites us. And I love this about the Apostle Paul and about Paul's um, methodology. It's, it's never with Paul, just don't do this. It's always, do this instead. It's, it's never just put off these things, knock this off, stop doing the negative. It's always, put on. Put on. Do this. Pursue this. And, and here he does it again. He, he says, Not just, do not be anxious, but what does he say? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Says one commentator, the way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. The way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. This is an invitation to prayer. Here's the reality. Either worrying will drive out prayer or prayer is going to drive out worry. Both cannot live happily together. We're constantly living between these two realities. Either we're anxious or we're at rest. Either we're worrying or we're at peace. So friends, the ultimate antidote to a restless, anxious heart is taking our burdens and as Peter says, casting them upon the Lord. That's what he invites us to do. And when we do that, when we cast our cares upon him, what does it do as a result? It makes God look great, doesn't it? It makes God look, look marvelous, look beautiful, beautiful. We declare in our dependency our trust in Him, that He knows the details of the universe and has the wisdom to know what is for our ultimate best. And, and, and Paul says we can bring anything to Him, boys and girls. That's why Paul says everything, everything. Nothing is too big for His power and nothing is too small for His concern. And so Paul is saying the answer to anxiety is not just to bottle your fears up, nor is it a call to just buckle up and stop complaining. It's an invitation to look up and to take our burdens and supplications to our Father in heaven who cares. It, listen, the Father isn't just saying, knock it off. He's saying, I get it. I understand I understand the hardships that you're called to endure in this fallen world. But with those anxieties, what I'm calling you to do is I'm inviting you to me. I'm inviting you to bring them to myself. I'm inviting you to know me in in prayer. But maybe you're thinking, well, it just... It feels like maybe another task, maybe another thing to do, maybe another formula. Worry less, pray more. Just plug that into my calendar and, and get off with it. But here's what I want you to see this evening this is not just another formula, this is a privilege. This is the love of God for you, this is an invitation. This is an invitation to cast your cares upon the Lord. This is what freedom looks like. That when we're tempted to to go down that road of worry, to take those anxieties and to go vertical in prayer. that's That's what he's calling us to do. And notice Paul frames the how too, doesn't he? How we're to come, not as entitled, spoiled kids, demanding certain things. How? With thanksgiving. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. William Hendrickson, the New Testament scholar, says prayer without thanksgiving is like a bird without wings. With thanksgiving. Thankfulness is a powerful remedy to an anxious heart. Anxiety says, I need, I must have, I must be in control. But a thankful heart says, all that I need, I ultimately have. In fact, what I've deserved, you've withheld. And what I have forfeited away, you have supplied. And so this is what I want you to practice this week. When your heart is tempted to go down that road and leave God out of the picture and to worry about all the what-ifs, all the unknowns. Take those feelings, take those thoughts, take those anxieties and tell God about them. That's the beautiful thing about this passage. He's not just saying, just suppress those things, pretend they're not there. He's saying, bring them to me. And, and, and offer a thankful heart. Gratitude is a powerful force in driving out an anxious spirit. And here's what happens. It, when we pray this way, friends, it doesn't necessarily change our circumstances, what it does change is how we view our circumstances, how we learn to accept the providence of God, and how we sh- respond to those challenges that we face. It's, it's a completely different mindset. It, it, it's a gospel-centered perspective, It's an invitation to know God more intimately, to experience communion and fellowship with Him more personally as we turn to Him in our struggle, as we cast our anxieties upon Him, knowing that He cares for us. Remember what Jesus said to to Martha? Martha is getting ready to serve Jesus and doing a lot of work at home and bless her heart. She's busy serving And and Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried about many things. Mary has found the good portion. (laughs) Mary has learned that when I'm present, it's wise to spend time with me, to let me feed your soul, to let me remind you of who I am and what I've come to do for you. In fact, as we look finally at verse 7, we see the promise. Paul exhorts us, do not be anxious about anything. He then invites us uh, to thankful prayer, and then he gives a promise in verse 7. He says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice what Paul doesn't say here. He doesn't say that you and I will experience God's peace as long as our petitions are answered in the way that we asked. One says the promise comes whether the petitions are granted or not. We tend to think, don't we, that we'll get peace as long as we get what we want. Isn't that why we're anxious in the first place? We want peace. We want answers to our troubles. We want to know the future. We want to protect ourselves. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, your Father in heaven promises to give you peace even if you don't get the thing that you're after, the thing that you want. How is that the case? Because in praying... We are learning to cast ourselves upon the perfect will of God, who knows what we need far better than we ever could. A Father who would give us whatever we need at the time we need it, or who will in mercy withhold the thing we think we need. And Paul says, a supernatural, unexplainable peace will come over the one who comes in this manner and it will guard us. And notice it's not peace from God, though that's true. It's, Paul says something interesting. The only time he uses this phrase, peace of God, the peace of God, the peace, the fellowship that exists within the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, that peace among the Godhead will in some mysterious way be experienced by us when we learn to pray this way. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And finally, friends, notice who this peace is for tonight. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is not a peace that the world knows. It's true, isn't it? Our culture is crying out for peace. Many times we're looking for peace in all the wrong places too. Listen, peace cannot be found in a politician. Peace cannot be found in a policy. Peace will not be discovered through a vaccine. Peace will not be experienced through an amendment. The peace that Paul is talking about and inviting us to experience is only found in a person. It's found in Jesus. And here's the astonishing news. Anyone can have this peace. How? By being open and honest about your own sinful heart. By being honest that you're an anxious mess half the time. And you've tried to be in control and to come in faith to Jesus Christ whom the Father gave for your sin, for your anxiety, and now invites you. He, he's inviting us tonight. This is not a, um, I cannot believe you're still anxious, child. This is a, I know you're anxious. Learn to bring it to me. And when you and I bring that anxiety to him, it makes much of him. Because he's able to handle it. And in bringing it to him, he begins to transform us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Friends, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about Tuesday. Don't be anxious about another potential lockdown or this or that. But take those worries vertically to God who is more than happy to hear you. He, did, he loves it when we come. And however he chooses to answer those requests, he will certainly do this. He will guard you and he will protect you with his gospel-centered, spirit-filled, blood-bought peace as you and I trust in him. What a wonderful father this is. Do you know this father personally? Are we Are we? going to Him daily in prayer, casting our burdens upon Him. He loves to hear us. He loves to receive us. So let's get in the habit of doing that. Instead of being anxious, let's be prayerful with thanksgiving. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this word tonight. Perhaps a timely word. I know it was for my heart. Lord, it is so easy to give myself over to the what-ifs, the desire to know, the desire to be in control, the, the, the worries, the cares of life. And Lord, as a result, a lot of times we leave you outside of the picture. We, we don't go vertical. We, uh, we just remain in our own little world and kingdoms of self and self-obsession and fretting over things. And, and we pray that you would give us the grace to see your tenderness, your gentleness, how you woo us and invite us to know you in this way in prayer. Lord, th- may we not see this as another formula, another task to perform or fulfill, but as a privilege, as an opportunity uh, for your children to spend time with you, our Father in heaven. And so, Lord, we would cast our cares and burdens upon your shoulders this evening. Lord, we give you our week, the decisions that need to be made, and the outcomes of various things. And, Lord, help us then to trust you. And as we trust you, would you give us and bless us with that that perfect peace, a a peace that surpasses understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing song this evening is when peace like a river. We're going to sing uh, verses one through four. It is well with my soul. Let's stand. to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all. Amen.